You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I guess you can go ahead and we're going to pick up again talking about this subject of living a life that's worthy of his calling. We started this last week. And uh, so you can turn over there to Ephesians chapter 4 if you'd like, verse 1. This is our foundation verse. We're just kind of picking it apart these first couple of weeks. Um, So I'll remind you of a couple of things that we talked about last week from this verse. You know, again, it simply says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking, of course, appeal to and beg you. So he's he's kind of serious about this. I beg you uh, to walk and lead a life worthy of the divine calling. Stop doing that, computer. I can't see you when you're bouncing on and off. Um, Of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Now, we talked last week about there are a couple of different terms. When we get to this word calling, most of us think of that as being called to full-time ministry. And certainly that is one way that it is used. But we tend, a lot of Christians tend to exempt themselves from the idea of calling because it's like, well, I, you know, I work at whatever you work at and I'm not called to full-time ministry. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a prophet. I'm whatever. And so, uh, so kind of, we just kind of separate ourselves from those verses. But this verse is to Christians. This, this verse Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul is talking to a church. He mentions the fivefold ministry later in this chapter as something that Jesus has set in place to help us grow to maturity so that we can fulfill our calling as individual Christians. But we said last week, every Christian, actually, I believe every person on the planet has been, in this sense, called of God. We found that this, the the Greek word that is translated calling in this verse, means an invitation to a banquet with the king. It is an invitation to a banquet. For us, it is an invitation. For, For anybody on the planet, there is a call that has gone out from God through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of his son, there is a call and invitation that has gone out. Come be a part of the family. Come be my child. Come and enjoy all a banquet, right? A banquet, picture a banquet, lots of stuff, big tables full of food, full of drink, full of all of that. And a big group of people coming to take in, to enjoy what is at that banquet. So he is saying, come and enjoy the life and the blessing and the the calling, the divine purpose that I have for you and is fulfilled as we join ourselves with Jesus Christ. So this call actually, I mean, this is written to believers and we have to take it that way, but I believe this call stands to everyone. And it begins by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? We said that our calling, this kind of calling, is related to our design, what God purposed for us and the way he put us together. We're going to talk more about that uh, here today in a few minutes. I want to talk to you for a minute this morning, and we're going to come back to this later in this study, but I want to add this right here. It says, uh, this, this scripture, I think, again, we can kind of misunderstand it, where 
He says, I appeal to and beg you to walk, to lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called. That word worthy. Oh, thank you. There's a reason for that. Thanks, Lucas. There you go. I appreciate you guys keeping me in line. Um, I thought it was my brother texting me again because he's been, their electricity went out there having a blizzard up there. And, and then the last one, it was, I was here and Boyd was talking, so I was able to. Anyway, uh, it came back on. He said he was going to have to go pull the starter rope on his old computer to get it <laughs> running so he could try. Anyway, this word worthy. Yeah, it says live a life worthy. And I think sometimes we can think again, we, we go right to the idea that, well, that means we have to earn something. We have to make it happen. We have to work in our own power. We, you know, how can I be worthy of that divine calling? This, um, the root word of the word, the English word worthy is worth. It is, it speaks of value. The Greek word here was actually used of a balance scale. And so it's, it's putting one thing on the scale, putting something else on the scale, and, and coming to, to where those two are equal to one another. They're equal in weight or they're equal in value. They're, they, are, uh, they correspond favorably to one another. There is a, uh, this word means there is a direct correlation between one thing and another thing. So he's saying, I want you to live a life that has a direct correlation to the weight and the value of your salvation, to the weight and the value of what God has done for us and what he has provided for us, what he has done in us. The, our life can reflect that value. I think the only way for us to do that, and again, I don't want to get too far into this part because it kind of goes with another section of this teaching, but the only way for us to live a life that corresponds directly is we have to understand, we have to value what God has done for us. We have to really value, we have to, we have to walk around with a mindset that, that remembers and, and realizes on a consistent basis what was sacrificed for us, what was given for us, and how much God valued us. Does that make sense? He valued us so much that he gave his son and, and being valued on that level changes how we respond and correspond, this is making sense, to what God did. I feel like I'm talking in circles and maybe I am, but I really want you to get this. We have to value what he did in order to live a life that values what he did. To me, a couple, a couple of ideas uh, come up immediately in, in my heart as I think about what this means to live a life worthy of the calling the, the term honor comes up. I want to honor what God did with my life. I want to live in honor of him. I, wanna, I, I know as a kid, I did plenty of stuff that did not honor my, my family and my family name. I, I tried real hard to, to not have that come to light. 
But there were a lot of things as I was out partying and doing my thing, there were many points where I stopped and thought about what I was doing or the next step I was going to take. And I didn't do it because my dad was a doctor in a small town and he was an honorable person. He was an honorable man. I valued him and our relationship and our family name enough that eh, if I take that step, I may end up in jail and that would look really bad for him. I'm serious. I mean, and so I stopped to honor. And the thing is, as I stand here and say this, it seems just ludicrous because everything I was doing did not honor. But I had a point. I had a line way out here where, and I remember coming to it a number of times. I thought, you know what? I need to get out of this place or I need to not drive home or, I need, you know, whatever, uh, in order to honor his name. And I, and I think that's part of living a life worthy of his calling is just honoring, remembering, well, I say remember who you are and whose you are, right? We go out there, we have a family name, we have some good friends uh, that raised their girls um, with that idea that, you know, whatever you're doing, remember, and, and their mom used to say this, they'd walk out the door, you know, on Friday night, she'd say, remember who you are and whose you are, meaning first as believers, secondly, as Nickishes. Their name was Nickish, you know, you remember that. And they and these kids grew up and they both become just great young adults. And, uh, you know, they grew up with that sense of honor, you know, in their, in their hearts. And so, you know, this, um, so value, honor, and the third one is dignity. And I'm spending more time on this than I wanted to this morning. But to me, there's something about living with some dignity. And, and that has to do with honoring God, honoring yourself, honoring your family, honoring your, your church family. You know, there are, all, there are all those places that can really instill in us a sense that, you know what, the world responds this way to something that happened. I understand why they're doing it. I'm not going to get down there in the mud with them. I'm not going to respond the same way the world is responding because I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to be honest. I want to be truthful. I want to have standards. Just thinking about this when I woke up this morning. We have standards and we want to live by standards. Standards are standards. We stand on them. We stand with them. And it, and it changes the way we respond to things. When, when we go through something, you know, and I'll just use, I'll use the election right now. I'm seeing people on the conservative side start to say the same things that they've been criticizing people for four years saying on the other side. Why are we doing that? Why lower? My mom used to say, don't lower yourself to their level, you know, and I'm not... <laughs> I'm just saying, if you had a problem with the way somebody else was responding, why would you now respond that way? Okay, I think that's I think it's a because it, we have standards, and so we want to walk the same way all the time. God doesn't change, right? On His side of the scale, He doesn't change. He's the same. His His heart is the same. His standards are the same. Uh, you know, and so we want to 
we want to be the same way that he is. We don't want to change constantly based on what's going on around us, okay? So let's just leave that, but I wanted to at least add that in there. Um, we're not really done talking about this whole idea of, of calling, so I, I do want to go back to that uh, today. Lead a life worthy of the calling. We saw that it's an invitation. We saw that the Bible draws a distinction between the call itself and our acceptance of it. Remember that? We talked about that last week. The reason for that is because Romans uh, 11.29 tells us the calling, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They are unrevocable. He doesn't change them. So, So the picture here is God has put out this invitation, this calling to all of us. When you receive an invitation, that transfers the responsibility for responding to that invitation to you. You, you are SVP. You say yes or you say no, right? And, and everybody has that choice. You can accept God's invitation to come into his kingdom and to walk with him, or you can reject that. He gives us free choice with that. He invites. But as soon as you accept that invitation, the responsibility transfers back to the one who did the inviting. They're putting on the banquet. God is the one who is providing. And this is not just in the sense of blessing for our life. This is also in the sense of he is, he is making provision through grace for us to do and be all that we could not do and be on our own, right? Grace empowers the believer to walk the life worthy of his calling. We are never left our own. We talked about this in a little more detail last week. It's this, it's this circle. As soon as we say yes, God steps in with empowering grace to enable us to step into what we're saying yes to. So, it's, so that's what we have. We have come to this place. We have received this invitation. And now we are walking with God to fulfill what he has called us to. Does that make sense to you? All right, so let's go on to a few more verses today. We've actually got several I want to go through this morning, uh, beginning here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. This is something Paul wrote about himself, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. He said, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But... See, all of us have that. Well, I have this history. I did a lot of dishonorable things in my past. I have this history. But by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, I may be the least of all the apostles because, you know, they didn't go out to kill one another. I went out, Paul, I went out to kill the other apostles. He said, in my opinion, that makes me the least. But he says, by the grace of God. Remember, grace is undeserved favor and blessing. I saw a, a, another thing just recently, and I can't quote it to you exactly. Just another part of this word charis is translated grace and is translated gift. And, and the idea, one of the ideas in it in the Greek language is that it is an impartation, not only of favor, but of of joy. It is an impartation of 
uh, joy and fulfillment and that kind of idea. There is so much contained in that word grace. It, it is just really powerful. But Paul says, by the grace of God, by that empowering flow of God's life, that's what grace is. It empowers us. It's not just divine favor in the sense that, okay, you're, I, I, you're okay. We're, we're okay. You know, it's not just that. It is a literal flow of spiritual life and power that empowers us, again, to be and do what we could never be and do on our own. I mean, it's a literal definition of the word. So he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. So grace is going to have an effect. He says, I love this. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul talking about his his calling, he essentially says, I worked harder than all of them, but I didn't work at all. I, I worked harder. I labored harder than all of them but I didn't work at all. It was God's grace working in me. So Paul, that person, that man that stood on the earth, he worked. He did what he was supposed to do. He lived a life of obedience. He went where God told him to go. He he did what he was supposed to do. But, But he did it not just in his own willpower. We try to live by our willpower, by our emotions. We try to gut it out, and that's not what God has called us to do. He allowed his relationship with the Lord to flood him with grace that enabled him to rise up and do what he was called to do. So he says, hey, I worked harder than all of them, but you know what? I didn't work at all. It was the grace of God that was working within me. Oh, Here's that, here's that definition I was trying to give you. I didn't remember I put it in my notes. So this is another part of this word grace. It's used of something. Yeah, this is great. I'm glad I found this. Uh, it, was, it was used of something that awakens joy and delight in the heart. It was used of something carrots awakens joy and delight in the heart. So when we receive the grace of God, the believer is able to work at kingdom life out of joy and delight instead of what coercion um obligation you know gee i'd better i'm looking at the scale jesus did a lot i'd better work hard to make that happen it's not that it's a it's that sense of joy and delight in god that he imparts to us enables us to go about it enables us to face challenges and change you know come through changes in our own lives and our own habits and our own lifestyle it enables us to go talk to our neighbor about Jesus or or go out and lay hands on a sick person we're scared to do it you know or whatever it enables us to live a kingdom life out of the joy and delight of knowing God That's a whole different picture than what most of us grew up with in religion that was so filled with obligation and you'd better and, you know, God's mad at you and maybe you can fix it if you do enough. You know, all that stuff. So many of us grew up laboring under that stuff and it's not at all the message in the New Testament. All right. So Paul says, I worked hard, but I didn't work at all. All right. Let's look at another couple of verses. Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Galatians 1, 15. Again, Paul here talking about his own calling on his own life. He says, this is really so much here, but when God, 
who set me apart from birth. All right, notice that set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. You can read that whole story. The whole first chapter of Galatians is about that. But Paul says, God set me apart from birth and later called me both of those things by grace. Set me apart and called me both by grace. In other words, Paul didn't merit either of those things being set up and neither do we. All right. It is by the grace of God. God calls, God sets apart by, by grace. Okay. So this term set apart, it means to be chosen for a specific work or office. All right. But this verse and others, there's, there's a, there's a big term uh, that theologians use called election. It's not what we just went through as a country. It means choosing. It means that God chooses. All right. And so uh, if we misunderstand the context of that word, it's about, it's about God's right to choose, his right to design us a certain way and call us to a certain thing. It gets into all of that. But what we have to understand is in several places, it tells us that God's election, God's choosing of us is by grace. It's by his favor. It's by his design. It is, it is not because, uh, well, this person was chosen for that and that person, I guess I just wasn't chosen. You know, we are all chosen to something. That, that is, we are chosen by his grace. It's not by our merit. It's not by, because we're so good, we get chosen to do this. And, and this all gets into how we view each other and how we can, we can always look at other believers and say, God must just like them better. I mean, they're doing so much better than I. We can beat ourselves up. They are so much more gifted than I am. Usually that's because you're not seeing your gifts. You're just seeing their gifts and they are seeing your gifts and probably saying the same thing. And that's why the scripture tells us it, is, it uses the word foolish to compare ourselves with one another. We need to let God make us what he created us to be by his grace. So this setting apart, this choosing is by grace. Um, the scripture tells us that as he chooses us, God also equips and qualifies us. Are you listening to me? A lot of people feel unqualified for what God puts in their heart and starts to call them to. They feel unqualified. I think if you don't feel unqualified, you're probably not getting the full scope of what God's calling you to. We just talked about this at Men's Group too. It's a part of the deal is that God calls us to something bigger than ourselves. He always does because he wants us to walk by faith. He wants us to walk it with him. He wants us to let grace empower us. He's not going to call you to just do something you can do easily on your own. He's going to call you to more than that, okay? And, and the scripture tells us that God equips and he qualifies us, all right? So uh, let, me, let me just look at a couple of, we'll just look at a couple of verses about that. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. You can just write that down. Romans 8, 29 and 30. 
says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. All right, I'm going to go through that real quick with you. Still with me? Okay. It says, for those God foreknew. In other words, he knew us before we were born, right? He had a purpose and he had a plan for us. He knew what he was going to design you for. He also predestined. Another big Bible word. It does not mean God set everything in place and you're just a puppet and you go through life and you're just going to do what God set you to do and there's no free will for you. And and just if, if God wills it, you're going to do it. And that's the way it is. It's not what predestination even means in the scripture. It's back to the banquet idea. Predestined means God set everything in place for you to be and accomplish what he's going to call you to do. He set up the banquet. He put together the tables. He put out the tablecloths. He put up whatever you put on a banquet table and all the food and all the stuff. That's what it means. He provided everything that was necessary for us to succeed at what he calls us to do. So it says he knew us ahead of time. He put everything in place to be conformed to the likeness of his son. We could talk about that for two weeks. And, um, and then he uh, called us, we're talking about what that means. Those he called, he justified. That is a legal term that means through the blood of Jesus Christ, when God looks at you, it's just as if I'd never sinned. It is justified. It is the judge saying not guilty. It is the judge acquitting us. That's what the word means. So he knows us. He sets everything in place. He calls us. He justifies us. And then he glorifies us, which means all of those inherent characteristics of God begin to be revealed to us and in our life. And we begin to walk a life that we could never walk on our own. If you need to go back and get the tape and listen to that again. But that, that is a powerful series of things right there that the Lord has done. Again, the idea is he calls us, he sets us apart. He, he sets us apart to himself and he calls us by grace. Let's look at another one. You got time for one more? Good. Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 9, Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to, we wouldn't have to read this whole passage, but I can't stand not reading the whole thing. So Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God, here it is, to fill you with the knowledge of his will. To fill you. Oh, I can't know the will of God. I'm praying he will fill you. It means fill to overflowing. With the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. We pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And through that, you will live a life worthy of the Lord. It may please him in every way. Stay with me. Bearing fruit in every good work. Fruit isn't something trees don't stand out there and go to bear fruit. They just bear fruit, right? Because of the life that is in them. 
they bear fruit. Bearing fruit in every good work. This is stuff, man, pray this over each other. I pray this prayer right here over you guys all the time. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. He has, past tense, qualified you. No more saying, I'm not qualified. God, through Jesus Christ, through the blood applied to your life, has qualified you. How does that happen? Well, I think the Holy Spirit marks us as his own and begins to work in us. And he qualifies, he qualifies us. He gets to qualify us. I don't care what we feel like, qualified or unqualified, God gets to stamp our forehead and say, you're qualified because of what my son did and because of my spirit that lives in you. Does that make sense to you? All right, so I encourage you, stop saying about yourself, I'm not qualified for that. I'm not good enough for that. I can't, I can't do that. I, can't, I, I feel like God's saying this, but man, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can write the best book on personal finance that's ever been written. You can, you know, you can do whatever it is that God is putting in your heart. You are qualified. What if, man, I can't even go back through the list of everything we've seen so far this morning. All right, we're going to look at one more passage and then we'll be done for today. See if I can do this in 10 minutes. Back in Jeremiah chapter one, we're going to see ourselves in this verse. Jeremiah chapter one. Verse four, this is when the Lord was calling Jeremiah. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation today. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 9. All right, so here's what, here's what the Lord says. He comes to Jeremiah. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Okay, so for Jeremiah, the calling was to be a prophet to the nations. Our calling is probably different than that. Might be, but it's probably different than that. Nevertheless, look at the process here. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. That, that word formed means to shape, devise, design, and it's used of God's creative work in fashioning a person for his intended use. We use these types of verses a lot to talk about that uh, a, a, a person who has just been conceived as a human being, okay? They're not a dog. They're not a rabbit. They're not a rat. They are a human being, even though it's just a little tiny conception egg, okay? This, these verses, uh, that's a good use, for, the, for this verse, God knew you before he formed you in the womb. But, but this term formed doesn't even just speak of, I, I put together, I shaped your arms and your legs and your face. And, you know, I, I, it isn't even just about that natural forming. We are spirit, soul, and body. And as God forms us in the womb, he forms all of that. He forms who you are in the deepest part of your being. He forms your soul. He forms your spirit. He puts you, he designs you 
for a specific place and a specific reason, a specific purpose and a specific time. God, and he knew you. He had all that in his mind before he did it in your mother's womb, before he actually put you together. Isn't that amazing? That's just incredible. You are valuable in God's sight. He said, before you were born, this set apart thing, this, you know, it has to do with this word holy, which doesn't just mean perfect and pure. It means set apart from, uh, set apart from vile things, set apart unto God. You know, it's the setting apart from one thing unto another. That's what this term means throughout the scripture. And I appointed you. That word appointed means ordained. In other words, I, I called all this before you were put together in the womb. This term appointed, it means ordained. It also means given to. All right. So when God formed you and shaped you and put you together for his purpose, then he gave you to the world. He gave you to all of us. You are a gift to me and I am a gift to you. And we need to see that in each other. He, God put all this together and he set you in this place and this time and he, he gave you to the people in your life. I mean, what an, what an amazing thing. And if you're feeling like you're, you know, not worthy, not, you know, whatever, man, think about this stuff. This is what that term appointed means to place, to set in a position to accomplish God's purpose. That's just so awesome. All right, verse six. So here's what Jeremiah says. Same thing we say. I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Okay, you may not say too young. You might say too old. You might say too fat. You might say too skinny. You might say too educated or too uneducated. You might say I was born in the wrong family. You might say I have this handicap or that handicap. Whatever it is, Jeremiah came back. He said, God's calling you to be a prophet to the nations. And he says, God, I can't talk for you. I can't do this. I'm too young. I can't do this. I'm too young. Later, it would have been, I'm too middle-aged. You know, I mean, it would have been something. We make these excuses. I've had too much failure in my past. I can't do this. It's the same. We all do this with God. And the Lord replied to him. He said, don't say. That's a good word for us. Don't say. Shut up. Shut your mouth and stop saying this, except, you know, we make it nicer in our Bibles. Stop saying it because you're making it happen. Stop letting that come out of your heart. Make sure that's no longer in abundance in your heart so that you can honestly and truthfully say what God is saying about you. He says, he says don't say I'm too young. For, here's how you do it, Jeremiah, you must go wherever I send you. In other words, just do what I tell you to do. If I send you there, go there, okay? Go wherever I send you, say whatever I tell you to say. Wait till you hear what I say, and then you say it. You can do this. Even young, you can do this. You guys, you parents, all have great stories about stuff your kids say to you that are just, talk about out of the mouths of babes, it's out of the mouth of God, I mean, I, people, you know, anyway, just go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say. Okay, you can do this. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you. Of course, he's an Old Testament prophet and they killed them when they made a mistake. All right, we don't do that in the New Testament. Thank God. For I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. God, that's powerful. 
Stop saying this because I've spoken it. It's the truth. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. I have put my words in your mouth. So God reached out. We've been talking about how grace empowers. God reached out, touched his mouth, and changed his life and empowered him to do what God had designed him for new, predestined, designed, called. Jeremiah didn't feel like he could do it. God enabled it and empowered it. We need to walk in that understanding that if the Lord has called it, he will qualify and he will empower what he has called you to do. Don't be afraid to dream big in God. Don't be afraid to listen to what he's saying. And don't be afraid to say, I feel like I'm a little too young for this. I feel like, you know, but no, when you say that, God's going to say, stop it. The Lord has spoken and he will empower you. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I remember, maybe we'll just end with this. I remember the night that Karen and I were called to the ministry. I'll try to do this without blubbering. It was, I had, and I've told you all, I mean, I don't go into a lot of background, but I had no intention of doing anything with ministry. I loved church. I loved going to church. I loved feeding on the stuff at church. I loved all that. But I had no intention of having anything to do with ministry. We were at, we were invited to a minister's conference, nevertheless. And uh, we were at Believer Center. Bob Yandian was teaching, who's a great teacher. We had been sitting under Marshall and Cindy for years and years. Marshall had a real anointing. He says he didn't, but he did, to lead worship. And that was a part of their ministry, was worship. And later he had other worship leaders, but early on he led worship. It was powerful. It was anointed. His wife, Cindy, is a tremendous teacher of the Bible. Bob Yandian, who was speaking, was a tremendous teacher of the Bible. And we were just there. And and I, I don't even remember exactly what was going on in the service. It was coming to a close. Uh, they were giving an altar call for ministers, which we were not. And the Lord put it on both of our hearts. I looked over at Karen and we both knew. It said, we've got to go up. And she said, yeah, we do. And it was kind of a shock to both of us. But we went up there. There were loads of ministers there who were leading and were praying for people. It was a big prayer line. Anybody could have ended up praying for us. But we ended up with them moving along the prayer line. We were standing there together. We ended up with Marshall on her side and Cindy on my side, teacher and worship leader. And I mean, Marshall was a great teacher too, don't get me wrong. But nevertheless, Karen felt like, and, and there were some other uh, times in her life, some other people in her life where she really got an impartation from too. But that night we were both called to that, to be that particular team. And I knew I wanted, and I love Marshall, and I love his teaching, but I knew I needed Cindy to pray for me. Well, we ended up with those two in front of us. They prayed for us. We went out on the floor and we got up different and just knew. I, 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 and when Bobby Andian was teaching, the Lord said to me, you can do that. And I was like, I can do that. I mean, it was just like that. It was like, touch his lips. It was just, I never would have thought I could do that. But when God said, 
you can do that. You can teach the Bible. Just like that, I knew I can teach the Bible. And I'm just telling you, is this making any sense? Or is this a stupid story? I, I, when, God, when, that, when God speaks to you, it carries the power to change who you are. If you will accept it, if you will receive it and let him do what he wants to do in you, he will do supernatural things through your life. This is not who I used to be. And whatever you think of who I am today, <laughs> this is not what I used to do or be. And the same with Karen. We both just, there was an anointing that came at that moment to do what he was later going to call us to do. It was still years before he really set us in place. But I'm telling you, it's the same for all of us. And we're all going to feel just like Jeremiah did. There's some reason I can't do this. Well, they're probably... Probably so. If you're looking at the natural, you probably can't. But in God, if he says you can, you can. Okay? Boy, I got to quit. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, I believe that what we just talked about applies to everything. It applies to, we're talking about living a life worthy of you, Father, and, and how you set the table, you set the banquet, you call us, you empower us, you have qualified us through Jesus. None of it's about us. And Lord, I just pray that all of us would be able to receive those, those steps, those just the, whatever you're feeding us now, whatever you're calling us to now, just changes in our own hearts, our own habits, our own lives, our own mindsets, or to, or to step out into something, whatever place it is. Father, I, I just pray, and anybody who can agree with it, we ask you, Lord, to keep leading us in this life and help us, empower us by your grace to live a life worthy of what you've done. It's an astounding thought to us, but we see it in your word. We accept it as the reality that you've created for us. And we thank you for it today. And we just give ourselves to the process. We just give ourselves to your voice. Give ourselves to your process, Lord. Work it in your time and in your place. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you get something out of this? All right. Not too bad, 1102. Cool. All right. So yeah, there's some snacks out there. Be good. Be nice. And uh, we'll say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And just go enjoy yourself. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. If you need prayer, come on up and get prayer this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.